feel like there's a lot of resistance within me as I'm talking and I'm about to share the story. And I feel that for that particular reason, I have to, I have to say something, right? Hello, beautiful human. (laughs) Welcome to the Life in Mind podcast. I'm your host, Tata Reynolds, and this is the first episode. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to chat about something. So if you've been watching my Insta, you'll see that I've been doing these workouts outside in the morning in the cold. Um, and I've been doing them with my very good friend, uh, Sol from Sol Fitness. Uh, if you're interested in working with him, he's amazing. Honestly, guys, literally game changing. It's more than just a workout. It's like a mindset thing. Um, he's really inspirational. DM me, just slide into my DMs and I will hook you up. And if you join using kind of my relationship with him, you'll get your first week free. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Literally a week free training. Uh, I wish I had that offer. So yeah, uh, DM me on at Tato Reynolds. Uh, that's my personal Instagram account. Or you can uh, DM at Life in Minds. That's the podcast account. Um, yeah, let me hook you up. He's amazing. You won't regret it. It's great. Now on to the content of today's episode. Ah, the first one. We are going to be talking about my first manic episode. I, um, you can, as you can imagine, it was hard, but I kind of share the three things that really helped me to just come back to a place of wellness from, yeah, from unwellness. So without further ado, let's get into it. Chill, just take it slow, don't waste your time, cause there's no use. Don't you get attached to this, cause you know there's no use. So I am currently downstairs in my husband's office, which is freezing. But hopefully it'll keep me awake because I've been struggling to stay awake since the clock change. If you don't know what the clock change is, um, I basically live in the UK and we have this thing called daylight savings. So for us South Africans, it's bizarre, right? Because we have the same time all year round. But over here for half the year, they kind of change the time zone effectively it's only by an hour but it really makes a very big difference um to my experience I feel like there's a lot of resistance within me as I'm talking and I'm about to share the story and I feel that for that particular reason I have to I have to say something right because um I wouldn't be so moved if this wasn't important work. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> I apologize in advance for all the ums. I might try and edit some of them out, but you know, yeah, you can't over edit something because then it just stops sounding authentic. Okay, I'm stalling. I'm stalling. I'm, I'm done stalling. I'm going to just tell the story. So as you guys know, this podcast is called Life in Minds and it's about mental health and we're literally going to go everywhere with it. But it was inspired by my personal story. If you listen to the jingle, then you'd know that I was diagnosed bipolar one. So on the whole bipolar one, bipolar two thing, I don't a hundred percent understand the distinction, but from my kind of the way that I have people have explained it to me, it seems as though bipolar two tends to be a bit more of a milder form of um, the disorder. So you you might have hypomania. So hypomania is when you are kind of quite, you're, you're a bit elevated, you're excited, you've got a bit more energy, but you're not, um, you're not so like amped up that you're just not functioning. Cause that, that is what happens, right? When you, when you become too manic, like you can, <laughs> you go from like being really, really efficient to not being efficient at all. Um, so and then bipolar one, and then I think both bipolar two as well, you might get more of the depressive end of the spectrum, um, but again, won't be, you know, really, really severe. It might just kind of be, you know, like a general feeling of just, um, you know, depressedness. (laughs) Is that a word? Probably not. Um, But yeah, so it, it isn't as like, extreme on either end whereas bipolar one is like you know when you're in the throes of mania as you will hear from my story um it can get pretty pretty wild um and then also the depressive episodes can be quite um quite dark quite heavy uh quite long lasting right (laughs) so uh, what do we know so far? We know that Tato is bipolar one, and we know that she is uh, not great with the winter months and the darkness. Um, you're welcome, because you wanted to know. <laughs> uh, so, I, when I was going to record this initially, I was um, going to go back to a series of videos that I actually put on Instagram a few years ago. I can't remember. I think it was like 2019, 2018, 2019, somewhere there. Um, where I was speaking about this exact thing. Um, And I thought, okay, yeah, I need to do my research and go back. But I actually didn't because I didn't want how I tell the story now to be colored by how I was feeling then, if that makes any difference, if that makes any sense, not any difference. Um, So, yeah, I'm literally just talking about that experience from the point of view of where I am now. So I guess, you know, I, I I was a pretty kind of happy, bright, kind of jolly young person. But I think 
a lot of that was uh, a coping mechanism because I had I had a bit of a difficult childhood, but I think when it was happening, I didn't realize that it was difficult. Um, you know, I had you know some difficult um, situations with my mom and um, my dad wasn't really around, but I kind of just you know smiled over everything and kind of you know kept seeing the silver lining and it was always like everything's gonna be fine like life is great but weirdly I remember one moment and I don't know why it sticks in my head um, but it just feels to me like that's when the kind of seasons changed um, if you will I when I was 16 I had my wisdom teeth taken out because I had I had braces put in previously and the orthodontist basically said if you let your wisdoms grow then they're going to mess up your teeth so you should you should get them removed and so I did and I remember literally from that time when I was recovering from the wisdom teeth life just took on like a weird sepia tone which I think is obviously mad, right? That like getting your wisdom teeth out can make you sad, but I don't know. It just felt really melancholic from that moment. I remember just kind of being in this really, really long, years long haze of just not feeling up and not really knowing how to feel up. Um, but again, I just kind of took that as my new normal and I was like, that's fine. We'll just, you know, keep going. It's all good. Um, but yeah, like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have called myself depressed or, you know, anything like that. And then I remember another situation was when I started working. I had a friend um, who was also a colleague and she was just a bit, you know, worried about me. And she was like, friend you know I listen to the things that you say and you know blah 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 and you just sound not very happy and I was like okay um <laughs> I didn't think that I wasn't but like if you think there's something to worry about like happy to go to the doctor and so we went to the doctor and I was diagnosed as depressed um which you know I feel like I don't know I I'm just really skeptical of doctors because I just feel like they like to prescribe right that's their job like their job is to find something to you know fix within you because otherwise maybe you'll feel like they haven't done a good job but what I will say is back then um, I did notice a change I can't remember what the medication was it was an antidepressant but I can't remember like you know what it had in it but yeah it really did make a difference and then I started feeling better um, but still you know like it was like my life was, it did feel very roller coastery. Um, and then, you know, then I met my husband and we started dating and, you know, it was all going well and everything. And then, you know, we got engaged really quickly and then we got married really quickly. And then the next year he was like, right, we're moving to the UK. And I think I was petrified, but I, I hadn't really, you know, thought about what it meant and and you know what that would look like for me and what I would do 
Um, but because he was so like confident and he's just, you know, going about things and, you know, planning stuff and selling things and just, you know, full steaming ahead. I was like, okay, well then clearly this thing is happening. And, um, yeah. And I think I just didn't really connect with how I was feeling about the whole thing. And then we moved in the September of 2016 which is probably the worst time of the year to move because it's going from um, summer into autumn. So it's getting darker, it's getting colder. And yeah, it was just really, really hard. I really struggled, um, I remember. Because also, I think I might have had a job when I moved there, but that didn't really work out. I wasn't there for very long. They don't treat their staff very well in that company I'm not going to name them because mainly because I can't even remember um but it was it was a horrendous first start and also my first manic episode happened while I was working there which also didn't help so yeah mania wow guys uh, <laughs> where to start okay so we'd so we'd moved in the September of 2016 and I was on um, a different type of antidepressant at that point. I think it's the SSRIs or is that what they're called? I don't know. But I was on one of those. And um, my I had a psychiatrist before I left and she said, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to increase your dose just in case, you know, you might um, be bipolar. Because obviously they – if you have it in your family, oh yeah, this is another thing. So if you've got any family members direct, so like your mom or your brother or your dad or something like that, like not really cousins, not that's not really as close. But if you do, then there tends to be a higher chance that you might, uh, you might, you know, have it yourself. And so my my mom. And my uncle both uh, were diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So, yeah, so she was a bit like, mm, okay, well, just to be on the safe side, let's not give you anything more. <laughs> so kind of take these antidepressants, blah, blah, blah. I've just moved to the UK. And... Um, have this job that's not really great and the people aren't very nice and it's just not a very nurturing environment and also um just feeling quite vulnerable because at that time um the South African government had my passport because I was trying to change my name on my passport so I couldn't even go home you know for some sun and some love and some peace so I had to just be there you know in that space and I remember just desperately wanting all the things like just wanting to excel in this job that I hated which makes no sense um and to just like be a boss person and like be controlling being in control of my life and yeah there was just a lot on my shoulders it was a lot that I was um that I was trying to get you know trying to get done and I weirdly think that, because obviously this has happened to me four times technically, and the first time it happened, well, actually all the times that it 
what's happened. It feels a bit like a defense mechanism, like a really, (laughs) a really overcorrection of of a defense mechanism. Because when I'm manic, I am so confident and so self-assured and I know exactly what I want. And, you know, um, my husband's even said, you know, I'm really eloquent and I am very quick-witted. Like I, things happen really fast in my brain and I'm able to almost react and adapt and, and just perform on this kind of unbelievable level, but that it also comes with a lot of really, destructive behaviors and I guess things that might cause other people to become uh, worried. So as I'm in this job and I hate it and I'm in London and I'm cold and I'm dark and you know it's just really stressful and my job I'm not really I feel like I'm not doing very well at it um and then what happened what was the first thing oh yeah I remember the first thing was I stopped sleeping but it wasn't just that I wasn't sleeping it was that I wasn't sleeping but I didn't think I needed sleep um I think I had somehow convinced myself also you know had convinced myself that somewhere somehow if you sleep you're dead uh so I was just awake for days And then I remember I had this business idea, which is probably quite cool and legit, but I just can't remember what it is right now. It had something to do with matchmaking. I was just writing down like names of people, like all of the people I knew. And then I was, I don't know, I think I was going to just matchmake them all with other people and charge them. And I don't know, but I remember I was typing away. It was like three, four o'clock in the morning. Richard came into the lounge and was like, Sorry about that. Um, I was interrupted by the doorbell. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, this episode is doomed. But it's not. We soldier on. We move. And also, I'm giving myself permission to be messy um, because you don't get anywhere unless you try, right? So yeah, so Richard comes into into the room and he's like, what's going on? Then I said to him, oh, I'm having a manic episode. And he was like, you're having a what? I said, yeah, I'm having a manic episode. And then he was like, okay. I don't even know why I said that to him. I don't even know if I believed that I was having a manic episode at that point. It was just, yeah, it was a really weird thing for me to just kind of offer up. Um, yeah, I did. And then what happened? Uh, oh, <laughs> then I went to work the next day and I had my um, vision board tucked under my arm, like, as in my personal private vision board with like all of my hopes and dreams. And I remember it was such a long journey because I kept changing transport mechanisms. So I think I started on the bus. And then I took the bus from like A to like 
not even halfway to be. And then I was like, nah, I'm done on the bus. And while I was in the bus, I was busy hyping everybody up and like having a great time. And everyone was just like, oh, she's so bright and bubbly so early in the morning. Wow. And then um, I remember then I got off the bus and then I got on the train. And then I didn't take the train all the way to work either. Nope. I got on the train and then like two stops in, I was like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I got out of the train and then I decided to walk so I got to work like I don't know an hour and a half maybe two hours late um unbeknownst to me Richard had phoned my work ahead and been like touch has been acting a bit strangely so if you could just kind of keep an eye on her and just make sure she you know doesn't do anything stupid and uh, he kind of recruited my sister-in-law, his sister, and been like, okay, we need to kind of get her to a hospital. Uh, I don't really know what's happening. She's told me that she's having a manic episode, and I don't know what that means. Um, and yeah, so all of us were kind of just muddling through in our own way. And I remember being in the office that day and just like making the most outlandish comments. So the company that I worked for at that time, um, their website was horrendous. Like it literally looked like it was done by, I don't know, like a 10 year old. And I, I remember saying to literally the owner of the, of the company, I said to her, um, hey, listen, I know someone who can really help you with your website. I did actually know someone who was amazing. Um, but, you know, based in South Africa and also like, who am I to poo-poo this woman's website when she's, you know, like made a living from it? Um, but anyway, so I said to her, yeah, 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 like I know someone who can help you with your website. Um, just let me know. I'll put you in touch. And I just kept giving all of this advice and, you know, just being really not sassy, but being quite like forward and punchy. And um, then I remember we went to a coffee shop. So one of my colleagues was she's basically stalling, waiting for Richard to come and get me because I was I think I was about to like leave the building. And she said, oh, let's quickly go for a coffee. And then she took me downstairs. And I remember like full on flirting with like this random man that I met in the coffee shop. Um, so yeah, it was a lot. And then Richard came and we left and we went to, um, the, the hospital. Can't remember which hospital it was, but it was a big one. We went to a big hospital. And then literally as I entered the hospital, like something weird happened. I just all of a sudden thought that I was an angel. Like not even thought, I was convinced. I was absolutely 100% convinced that I was an angel. And then, um, and also everyone's pain I could feel, which was so weird. Cause I think, I think generally I am actually an empath anyway, but this was like on another level. Like there was a guy who had, I think he had something like maybe, um, you know, with his appendix or something, cause he kept kind of grabbing his stomach and just like doubling over in pain. And, um, yeah, like I could feel that pain and I was just, I was distraught and I was in the waiting area, basically praying for everyone and like blessing everyone. And Richard and, um, and my sister-in-law were like, what the hell? Like, what is this woman doing? This is so bizarre. Um, and then I, we were there for a really, really long time because obviously, you know, it's mental health. So, I guess as long as you're not about to jump off a building, people just kind of feel feel like, oh, it's not really that much of an emergency. But kind of as the hours went on, I kind of kept 
losing more and more touch with you know my surroundings and with what was going on and then eventually they put me in like a a separate room with um with my husband and my sister-in-law and then I started singing but guys when I tell you I was singing I was singing at the top of my lungs I was singing like my life depended on it I was oh just um and it was amazing grace and to this day like my husband can't listen to amazing grace like he's literally just like i can't i can't hear it like it's it's too traumatic it's too triggering um and i get it like it was a lot um long story short oh then i thought i was on x factor so the the doctor came in to see me and i thought that this was my audition and i was just singing and singing and singing and singing and he was like wow yeah she's she's got she's got a pretty decent voice like it was it was just insane um and then i remember they tried to give me um like tablets just like you know to to what's the word like to tranquilize me and just keep me calm and then i thought i was on the matrix and i was like no i'm not taking the red pill or the blue pill i'm not taking any of the pills and it was just so difficult to get me to do anything and i think in in the end they had to actually inject me like in my bum as if i was some kind of i don't know wild animal um and that's the only way they got me down and then uh we went to a hospital in in Highgate, which if you're not from the UK or London, you don't know where that is, but it's in the north, in the north of London, because we lived in the north. So we um, we went to this hospital. I can't remember what it was called, but it's probably just Highgate Hospital. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I spent a few weeks there. And so what was that like? Um, <laughs> yeah, guys, you know, the being in hospital for mental health stuff in this country is really tough. It's really, really tough. Um, most hospitals feel like jail. Um, they're not warm and fuzzy spaces. They're, you know, cells with showers in them. And when you first get there, it's almost like you'll have to like earn your right to sunshine and earn your right to fresh air because they just it's not given it's not a given and um i definitely feel like being in the public health system in this country experiencing you know struggles with my mental health has actually probably even exacerbated things and made healing more protracted and harder because um yeah, you you do you feel like it's your fault, and you feel like um, there's something wrong with you, uh, and and it is difficult, right? Because when I'm manic, for some reason, I'm literally like five million times stronger than I am in my day life, um, and that's you know both mentally, both physically, both everything, spiritually, everything. You're just you're just a force. And so sometimes there does need to be force that comes back to to kind of quell the initial force. But 
yeah, I just can't tell you how many times I've just been in those spaces and felt completely worthless and completely lost and completely like I have been forgotten in society. It, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's been really, really hard. It's been really hard. Um, but I don't know what the solution is. Um, you know, (laughs) if anybody's listening and you work in, in mental health, I'd love to hear from you, you know, what your experiences are like, because, um, whenever I kind of recover from these things and I, you know, I ask the people that have been helping me kind of what I was like, I mean, they, they describe someone that I don't even recognize. Um, well, that first time, I'm not really sure if I was necessarily um, combative or aggressive or violent. I think I was probably more just really headstrong, um, quite silly. I remember kind of running around in the hospital, like, butt naked, like, with the, <laughs> with the nurses chasing me down. Guys, I'm not even joking. Like, this is not a joke. I'm telling you my life. This actually happened. And then I remember there was another guy who was there, and I didn't even care that I was completely naked. But um, he was like, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, my gosh, I, I'm here because I'm crazy. And then he was like, oh, I'm here because I'm crazy too. And then we ran around and around the hospital together yeah it was fun times but not fun times um but yeah and so that first time in the hospital I think was probably my most um I don't want to say fun because it wasn't fun right like it was it was devastating and it was you know relationship destroying and um really traumatic on so many levels but one thing that I found really interesting was, you know, when you think about losing your mind, right? Like if I said to you, oh, yeah, you know, you know, what do you think it would be like to lose your mind? Um, you, I, I, before this had happened to me, like I would have thought that it's quite an individual experience, right? Like losing your mind, if your mind goes, you know, you can't relate like how is anyone going to relate to you but what i found every single time when i did lose my mind was it's a shared experience which makes me feel as though it must be vibrational and what i mean by that is i think that us as humans when we are within our sanity we kind of we vibrate on a certain frequency and then we vibrate on the frequency and we see things the way we see them and we experience them the way we experience them because we are vibrating on that frequency. And then once you lose your mind, it's almost like you go to a different frequency. And then all of the people that are quote unquote losing their minds are vibrating on that frequency. And then we're able to interact from a completely different level. I mean, whether it's real or imagined is, you know, leaves much to be um, explored. But it's incredible. Like the experiences that I had in the hospital with other, you know, quote unquote patients was just insane. Like, 
yeah, I can't even remember all of the um the stories from the first time around. Um, because it was so long ago, 2016. But yeah, I just remember, you know, being in this really interesting space with these people who understood me and who, you know, were were having the same sorts of experiences as me. And it was, yeah, there was a camaraderie there. It was like a, you know, we, we saw each other, we understood each other. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess when I was gonna talk about this story I was like okay what would be the point like why am I telling this story um and I think I'm telling the story to give you a bit of an insight right into my mind um when it goes to that place and if you have any questions guys please reach out um I'll share all my my deets at the end um but yeah, like if you want to know something about something, let me know. If you want me to explain something, um, if you have just, you know, general questions, I would love to just kind of serve you because I don't want to feel like I'm speaking into a hole, you know. Um, yeah, and thank you for listening this far. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like I've said a lot, but I haven't said anything. Um, but I'm not going to judge it because, you know, these things need to be said. These conversations need to be had. Um, but yeah, how did I, how did I find myself back to myself? How did, you know, how did Tato um, regain her brain? That rhymes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I love rhyming. How did I find how did I find myself back to myself? Um, okay, well, the first thing was medication. But with medication, it was actually, it was definitely a journey. And a lot of people who kind of go through the same struggles as me have, have always said the same thing. They've said that, like, it's definitely a journey. Um, started off on something called risperidone, which is horrific and should never be prescribed to anyone ever um I get that like it, it's very good and quickly bringing you down from mania but then it actually does the opposite so it it drags you all the way down so it takes you like into your deepest darkest saddest self um so I struggled on that for a while I actually stopped taking it and that was part of the reason why I had another episode but we're not going to talk about that episode today it's going to be for another time um, but yes, I started with that and that didn't really work. Um, and then I moved on to something called quetiapine. Uh, quetiapine is an antipsychotic, which sounds really hardcore. Um, and it probably is really hardcore, <laughs> but it, it's, yeah, it stabilizes your mood. It kind of, you know, keeps you mellow and chill uh, and the other thing I take now after postpartum psychosis, which is, again, a topic for another day, um, I take lithium as well. So I am probably slightly over-medicated because you don't need to be on lithium 
and quetiapine because they basically do the same thing. Uh, although lithium is classified as a mood stabilizer and um, quetiapine is an antipsychotic. Um, what are the side effects? I guess both, mm, I don't know about lithium, but quetiapine definitely does lend itself to making you larger, which isn't great. <laughs> um, but I refuse to kind of let that define, you know, my body goals or um, how I would like to look. I mean, and that's also just a work in progress, isn't it? And um, most importantly, I'm just working on loving my body um, in all of the phases of it. You know, it's it's done a lot of things. <laughs> it's kept me alive. It's grown a human. It's, you know, um, it's done a lot and it, you know, I should be proud of it and I am proud of it and I do love it. And I don't know how I ended up, um, in this body positivity tangent, but you know, let's, let's bask in it. You should love your body too. I mean, your body is amazing. Um, your body is just working for you 24, seven, 365. It doesn't rest. So just give it love, give yourself love. Um, you deserve all of the love. Uh, what else was I saying? Um, so yeah, it was medication. Medication was the first thing. Getting it right, getting it right was the was the important thing, and we did eventually. Um, and then we had to kind of recalibrate after Zach came, which is fine. Zach's my baby, by the way. He's two. Um, and then oh, you know, I was really really lucky. Um, following the first manic episode that I, uh, had an incredible GP. She was, you know, very holistic in her approach and, um, not, she wasn't judgmental and she wasn't condescending and she didn't kind of, you know, you know how it is. Like if, well, maybe you don't know, but <laughs> if you've ever had mental health struggles, sometimes, People can kind of just look at you as if you're some kind of snowflake or you're just, you know, away with the fairies. And, you know, I used to say to her things like, yeah, like I still feel like I'm an angel. And she said, maybe you are, you know, maybe you are an angel. But she said, you know, um, you just need to learn how to be on the ground because you're on the earth. And, you know, when you go back to where you come from, then you can fly all you want. But you just kind of need to be here. But she was amazing. Her name was Dr. Nicole Ferris. Um, she was just the most like loving and nurturing and wise person. I mean, half of the advice she gave me, I didn't follow. Um, but the advice I did really, really made a very big difference. Uh, and also I, I leaned in very, very heavily into one of my friends in particular, one of my friends who for some reason just had, you know, it, she was halfway across the world as well, but she just had so much capacity for, you know, holding space for me. Um, and that's my friend Chimera. <laughs> I won't say her surname because, like, then you might Google her. Um, but, yeah, she's an amazing human being. And she really, really, really helped me out of a lot of dark places. And I could have really, really dark conversations with her. I remember, you know, repeatedly talking about wanting to end my life and, 
Um, because the the thing is, like after mania, it's almost like you're when you when you become no, I don't want, there's no such thing as normal. But when you come down from that, um, it does kind of feel not even like a hangover. It feels like like a I don't know, like whatever happens after you go on a on a trip with drugs, like that whole that that crash that bottoming out. That's exactly what it feels like, and it's absolutely devastating. Um, and yeah, so so it was amazing that I had a friend who wasn't afraid of my darkness. And I think if you are going through any kind of darkness, you need to find a friend like that. You you will find them. You just need to, you know, if you can't find them in one, in one place, keep looking, keep looking. Because um, a lot of people who were around me at that time were afraid of me, you know, because I did all sorts of weird things. I was eating paper at one point when I was manic and I was licking the floors and I was, you know, just doing a lot of like, very wackadoodle things that if you saw someone doing on the street or you know in your workplace or whatever you might be like oh my gosh what's going on um and I hope that the fact that I'm sitting here and telling this story might make someone else feel like oh wow you know I can come back from wherever I am and and find peace and um and thrive, you know, and do the things that I love, and um, reach, reach for the stars, reach for the stars, climb every mountain high, and, sorry, I digress, um, but yeah, so, so that's how I found myself again, uh, medication, having an amazing GP to kind of bounce things off of, and having, you know, a person that I could show my darkness, um, because the thing that happens is once you show people your, once you show yourself your darkness, you realize that it's not as scary as you thought it was. Um, and it's not as dark as you thought it was. It's just, it's just different. And you can definitely make your way out of whatever darkness you find yourself in. You just, yeah, you just need to be kind to yourself and patient. These things take time as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's probably where I'm going to stop talking. Um, I'm probably going to, I'm definitely going to, not probably, I'm definitely going to sing a bit because that's what I love to do. And I'm going to sing this song just because it reminds me of of just being in that place and and everything that, that happened to me when I was in that space. So here goes nothing. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so special about that place. When even your emotions had to let go in so much space. And when you're out there without a care, yeah, I was out of touch. But it wasn't because I didn't know enough. I just knew too much. Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? 
probably so yeah that was the first time I lost my mind and that is how I came back from losing my mind and if you have any questions please reach out the email is life in minds the pod life in minds with an s the pod at gmail.com you can find me on insta um either at tato reynolds that's my personal account or at life and minds the pod you can find me on twitter i'm really bad with twitter guys i don't even know how it works anymore but it's uh at life in minds pod so without the the and yeah i'd love to hear from you um I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. I'd love to hear, you know, if you have any questions on the episode. I, yeah, I'd just love to hear from you. And also, if you enjoyed this, I would really, really appreciate if you subscribed to the podcast. And also, if you could leave a review that would literally make my life. If you left a review, I would love you forever. If you left a review, I will sing you a song straight into your DMs. Any, yeah, uh, not any song. I'll pick the song because otherwise that's too much. <laughs> but yeah, please subscribe. Please leave a review. Um, thank you so much for listening. And I hope to speak to you soon. Ooh.